All right, good morning, good morning. How you guys doing this morning? You guys look like you're doing good. Everybody's in the room, ready to go. Well, hey, thank you so much for being here today. Whether you're in person or you're there online, thank you so much for choosing to be a part of our gathering today. I know that God's got something great for you. Um, if we haven't met yet, my name is Brett Kinberg. I am the Connections Pastor here at Red Hills Church. So I help uh, oversee our small groups and uh, are called tribes and also oversee some of our Next Steps uh, classes, which is where we disciple people. Um, but today, I get to carry on in the message called The Journey Home. Aaron started in this message uh, a couple weeks ago. Pastor Aaron um, started talking about the life and the journey that God took Moses on to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into their promised land. So we're going to continue on in that story this morning, um, and I'm so glad that you guys are here to be a part of that. So this morning, let's begin reading in Exodus verse 20, uh, chapter 4, verse 29. We're going to dive back into this story of Moses as we get going today. You can follow along online. You can read in the Bible app. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, so if you want word-for-word -word translation, you can look that up. You can also take notes on the Bible app. If you didn't know you can do that, just click on the More button down at the bottom right, and then click on Events, click on Red Hills Church, and you can take notes. You can Follow along on your phone and take notes with us this morning. But let's begin by reading this morning. In 29, it says, Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all of the elders of the people of Israel. And Aaron spoke all of the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did all of the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshiped. Afterward, Moses and Aaron said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know this Lord and moreover, I won't let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall on us with pestilence or with sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And then Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. And that same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen. He said, you shall no longer provide straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they, that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go offer sacrifices to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Let's pray this morning as we get into this scripture. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity, Father, to, to sit and listen to your word as it is spoken. God, we believe that your word has the power to change lives. God, it has the power to change the way we think so that our life can get better according to your word. 
God, we thank you that you have a great plan for us, and today we get to discover a small part of that. Father, we're so grateful, and we come with an expectancy, God, that you're going to do something in our lives this morning. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, as we dive into this, I want to I want to talk a little bit about the life of Moses. I know that we've been in this series for a while, and, and, and Pastor Aaron talked about Moses' life being separated into three, or separated into thirds, right? So the first third of his life was the 40 years that he spent growing up in Egypt, right? This is where he was, he was picked up by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in Pharaoh's household. And, and that first part of his life where he was raised in Egypt, um, that's the first third. The second third of his life was when he fled from Egypt. He spent some time in the wilderness. He got married. He had kids and eventually had an encounter with the Almighty God. And, and now we're stepping into the last third of Moses' life. And this is really where we see most of the book of Exodus hang out. We hang out in this, this last third where Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And we look at, we look at how Moses has walked through this process, right? He's, he's fled from Egypt. And this is actually the very thing that makes him qualified to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt in this last third of his life. Because any time you go on a journey and, and you enlist the help of a guide, that guide needs to know every spot along the journey, right? They need to know every point. They need to know the dangers. They need to know the beauties of the journey so that they can take you and, and safely get you from point A to point B. Kind of reminds me of going whitewater rafting. Anybody in here ever been whitewater rafting? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I went whitewater rafting this last summer, and it wasn't the first time, but I'm always astonished at how the guide in the boat is always able to tell you, this is what's coming next, and this is what the rapid is called, this is the, uh, this is the, the class of rapid that we're going to be going through, and then they even tell you, okay, I'm going to tell right side to row, and I'm going to tell left side to row, and they can navigate the boat through the rapid so that everybody makes it safely to the end of the journey, Right? Well, this is the same thing that Moses had already walked through. Moses, when he left Egypt 40 years prior, had, had walked through the wilderness. He, he set out on a journey and he didn't know the wilderness at that time. But he spent 40 years of his life in, in, in Midian and on the backside of Midian. He was a shepherd. He got married. He, he had kids. And he started developing a relationship with the Almighty God. He had, he had taken the journey. He had gone through the process of finding freedom. And because of that, God said, you're the right man for the job. I've picked you to lead my people. And in this, we see that as Moses has walked through this process and, and, and come and had an encounter with God, God says, okay, I'm going to send you so that you can bring my people out of Egypt and that they can encounter me in the wilderness just like you did. So, so God sets up Moses to, to create a process for these people to walk through. But this is something that we all have to understand about the process that God leads us through. Have you ever walked through the process that God has for you? 
Because there's some people who've been given an, an amount of influence or fame, and, and it was too early. They hadn't walked through the process, but they were put in a place of leadership. And this is not the case for Moses, but in a lot of our lives, we might be, we might be looking at that going, man, you know, I'd like to skip the process. I'd just like to be the leader, right? Um, I'd like to be the guy who calls the shots. I had plenty of people at, uh, at my previous job that they wanted to call the shots. They were like, oh, yeah, I know you're the manager and all, but I want to call the shots on the job site. But they hadn't been through the process yet. This reminds me of a, of a story um, of a guy named Ricky Manning Jr. Um, I don't know if you guys are football fans in here, but Ricky was uh, somebody who attended the, the, the last church that I was a part of, and, and he gave his testimony. Um, Ricky talked about all of the process that God had brought him through. See, in the NFL, he was, he was drafted third pick by the Carolina Panthers. Um, his first game that he played, he, on the second play of the game, he intercepted the ball as, as a defensive player. And man, his, his career just continued to rise. Um, that 2003-2004 year that Ricky played for the, the Panthers, they, they went to the playoffs. And in the playoff game, he intercepted the ball three times. Um, which is like, for, for those of you who follow football stats, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> he was picking that ball a lot. And so with this, he got a, a certain amount of fame and he, he, he rose to a level of influence that his character was not ready to support. And he talks about in this interview that he had anger issues. Um, before going into the NFL, he had already had one count of felony assault um, brought against him. And... Um, in his career as an NFL player, he ended up getting another charge brought against him, and, and therefore the Carolina Panthers let him go. Um, and he got traded around, and his career then continued to wind down um, until he left the NFL. And, and, and we see this, this process that this person was not ready to lead, but we're looking at the life of Moses, right? right? Ricky Manning Jr. doesn't matter in the life of Moses. So we're looking at the life of Moses. He was particularly qualified. And today I would like to look at the process that it takes for us to walk into freedom. Because this is the truth, that Moses knew all of the points along the way. In fact, in Numbers 33 verses 1 through 2, it says this, it says, Here are the stages in the journey of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt by division under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses recorded the stages of their journey. And this is their journey by stages. So, so Moses goes on to compile a list of every place that they visited in the wilderness. And we'll get into this in weeks to come. But the significance of this is that Moses knew how important it was to look at every stage along the path. Because this, this journey that the Israelites walked was not just a physical journey for them. The Bible says that their example is set for us to follow this spiritual journey that they were on. Every point along the way, the bitter waters of Mara and, and all of the different stages of the journey that they traveled has significance to our spiritual journey. And so today I'm going to talk a, a little bit about how that journey begins. Um, I'm going to be using some points from a book called Strengthening the Soul of Leadership. And we're going to talk about the three stages in our spiritual journey that kind of follow along with the life of Moses and how he led the children of Israel. 
The first stage in our journey that I'd like to talk about is pre-awareness. Pre-awareness is this point that the Israelites have found themselves in before Moses gets there, and they've been in, in bondage, they've been in slavery for 400 years. When they first went to Egypt, they went to Egypt as a free people, but they went to Egypt in order to, to find shelter, to seek provision in a time of famine. And, and I know that Pastor Aaron has already talked about this, but the, my point in telling you this is that they've spent a long time in this land and they went from being a free people to slowly slipping into dysfunction and bondage and ultimately slavery. And we find ourselves, everybody finds themselves at some point sitting in this same place where we're in bondage and we don't know it, right? Because the children of Israel, they, were, they, they had been living in this for 300 years. And while they were crying out to God saying, this is, this is hard and our bondage is too much for us to bear, they, they had come to expect it. They had come to just say, well, this is just life, Right? And in our own lives, we do this sometimes. We look at, we look at our, our, our fathers before us, and we look at our grandparents, and we see the life that they lived, and maybe it was hard. Maybe, maybe you know, they, they, were, they were farmers, and they just always struggled to make ends meet. Maybe they were, maybe they, they were in the workforce, but you know what? We, we, they were always working long hours, and so we didn't get to see our parents very often. Maybe the dysfunctions that we see in our own life came from our parents, and we just think that they're normal because it's all, it's all we've ever known. That's the, that's the whole point of pre-awareness. You just don't know what you don't know, right? And, and, and these cycles of dysfunction, we, we start to see them translating down into the third and the fourth and the fifth generations. And why does this happen? Well, we, we see this happening because of, of what neuroscience can now explain which is we develop patterns of thinking, we, we develop patterns of behavior, and those patterns of behavior are then passed down to our kids. And they're more susceptible to the same patterns that their parents have lived in because of, because of some very technical terms that I don't have time to get into this morning. Um, but but if, if you want to talk more about that, we can talk after service. Come grab me out in the lobby and, and, and we'll talk, talk about it. But as, as we see the children of Israel walking in bondage and crying out to God, asking for things to change but not really believing that it will, then we, then we identify ourselves sometimes in this same pattern. You know, we, we, we find ourselves in this, in this pattern where, you know, we, we, we ask God for things, but we don't actually expect it to happen. It's kind of like the prayer that we make that, that is, you know, we, we sit down and we pray over dinner because we just pray for our food every day, right? But we don't actually think that God is going to bless the food and make it nourishing and life-giving to us, right? We just say, God bless the meal, amen, right? Um, and, and this is where Israel is at. They found themselves in a place of pre-awareness. And then all of a sudden, they get this inkling. They get this, they get this hope that begins to walk into the situation, as Moses comes before the children of Israel and gathers together the leaders, and they say, God has seen your suffering. And all of a sudden, they get this, this, this hope or this desire that things can change. And, and, and it subtly starts to move them from the first stage of pre-awareness 
into a stage of awareness. And this is what happens when we, when we come into our second stage, which is awareness. We, we get something happens and it heightens our awareness and we believe that we can have something better. It's, it's the success story of America, right? It's, it's anybody can make anything of themselves, right? We can all pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we can go make a, make a life in the great American dream. But this is God's plan for your life. It's not just about you pulling yourself up. It's about the fact that when God sends someone into your life to show you that things can be better, you begin to become aware of it. You begin to say, okay, maybe this can actually happen. Moses had a taste of it. And oftentimes we get a taste of it when we start getting into community with other believers. Right? This is why tribes is so important. It's not just because I'm the tribes guy, so I gotta, you know, I gotta promote my thing, right? No, that's that's not what I'm doing right now. Tribes are important. Small groups in community with other people are so, so important in the life of every believer because in community is where you find awareness. It's not just on the weekend when you walk in and you hear the pastor preach a good message like, amen, pastor, good job. Uh, now it's time to go get our lunch or brunch or wherever you guys are at, and, uh, and then we'll continue on with the rest of our day. It's not about that. It's about doing life together with people that can show you that you can have a better marriage. You can have a better relationship with your kids and with your family. You can have better relationships with the people around you, the people at work. You can have greater amounts of influence when you walk through the process. And that's what you begin to develop when you start building community with the people of God around you. And so Moses was sent to the children of Israel. And, and, and we see this, this, this dynamic happening where before Moses gets there, things are getting worse and worse for the children of Israel. The, the, the persecution and the slavery is getting harder and harder. And we see Moses in the complete opposite side of this. We see Moses out in the wilderness. He finds a wife. Uh, the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So uh, all the husbands in here said amen. Um, and so as, as, we, as we see Moses' life getting better and better, he has kids. And then he has this experience with God that changes him forever. The Bible said his countenance, the way he appeared to people, changed because he had an encounter with God. As, as we see these two stories seemingly separate begin to be weaved back together by God, God sends Moses back in to the children of Israel. In this moment of awareness where he begins to show that, that, that there's something better for them. That, that they, they're not just crying for God to change it and not expecting it to happen, but it's actually getting ready to happen. He, he says, hey, the thing that you've been asking for for 400 years, I don't, I don't know about you guys, this nation hasn't even been around for 400 years. They, they lived in Egypt for this long period of time, and, and, and they're going, okay, God's finally going to do the thing that he promised us that he was going to do. And in our life, it's the same thing. God finally sends somebody into our life that says, you can, you can go beyond where you think life is just the everyday grind, and you can go to a place where there's hope every day. When you wake up in the morning, you're happy about the day, and you're excited to face it because God's got something better for you. In this stage of awareness, there's such a hope that is built that life can be better. 
that life can get better and it can grow and that God's got a plan for you. And so Moses begins to show this to the people of Israel. And there's, there's something that happens, and, and maybe you're becoming aware, you're, re, you're, you're becoming aware that relationship with your kids can get better. You're, you're becoming aware that even your relationship with roommates, those of you who are at George Fox, your relationship with your roommates can get better. It doesn't have to be, you know, rough and tumble all the time. Um, and, and, and with that, you begin to see that life can get better than it is right now. And we all come into this stage, but then we're faced with a choice. Because in awareness, there's this moment where we get to choose. We can choose to ignore it. We can deny its power to create change in our life, or we can accept it. And, and you might be asking, in the, you know, why would I deny the power of change and the, the, the power of awareness in my life? Why would I want to deny God's good plan for my life? Well, it comes down to one simple word. It's called work. <laughs> the, uh, the process of achieving or receiving what God has for you is work. And, and, and we, we can deny the fact that, you know, God has something better for us. And in the moment, it gives us a temporary sense of relief. Why? Because when we deny it, when we look at our situation and we decide, you know what? If I deny that it can get better, then that means that I'm, I'm, I'm here not because of my own choices, but I'm, I'm just here because of the situations and the circumstances that life has handed me. When you deny that it can get better, you just say, you know what, that's great for them, and I, I love that they have a great marriage, and that's something to admire, but that's not for me, because I don't want to do the work that it takes to get there, and I'm here because of, of what somebody did to me, and, and therefore I can't change, but God's promise to you when you accept the fact that he's got something better is you then step into the process that it takes to get to something better. You see, as we move from the stage of awareness into our turning point, we begin to see that this, this truth comes about. And, and turning point is the last stage of our spiritual journey as we begin to move towards the things that God has for us. But what happens is when the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain it takes to change, then we step into our turning point. And, and, and this is the truth that either way, there's pain. But the pain of staying the same is the pain of being stuck where you are in the cycles of abuse and the cycles of, 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 of turmoil, the, the cycles where things are broken. But when you accept the pain it takes to change, then we begin moving towards what God has for us. And in that, we see for Moses, this happened when he was in Egypt, right? He, he killed an Egyptian, and, uh, and, and, and he, he is now faced with a turning point. The, the pain of staying the same was he had a warrant out for his arrest, and they were going to execute him, right? So the pain of staying the same was death. The pain of change was the unknown, was, was walking into the wilderness and, and discovering what was next in life. For the Israelites, 
They, they, they had a couple things that were, were their turning point. And the first one was this, that when Moses and Aaron show up and they gather all the elders together and they say, hey, guys, God's got something better for you. The, the children of Israel see it and they go, this is awesome, great, God wants to do something. And what did they do? They responded to it. They accepted it. They bowed and they worshiped when they saw that God had something better for them. And, and the miracles were done in the presence of the elders. And they said, okay, not, not only is God saying he's going to do something, we've got proof, right? They saw Aaron do the miracles that God had shown Moses. And so now they, they bow down and they worship and they submit themselves to Moses and ultimately to God. And this is the turning point that we all get to face. When we accept awareness and we move into our turning point, we submit ourselves to God and we say, God, I don't know what it's going to take, but whatever it is, it's got to be better than where I'm at. It's got to be better than the dysfunction that I'm living in now. So God, I submit myself to your process. And this moment when we submit ourselves to God is our turning point. And what, what happened for the children of Israel? They submitted to God and every, everything just got better, right? Right? Oh, darn it. You mean there's pain involved in change? Yeah. Yeah, this is what happened. All of a sudden, things didn't get better. They submitted themselves to God and, and we all think, oh, we're, we're Christians now. Life is just supposed to get, you know, better. It's all supposed to be sunshine and roses, right? No, there's, there's some work involved. And we walk into the process where God wants to start cutting things away out of our life. And for the, for the Israelites, their, their turning point was twofold. The first one was that they acknowledged God, and yes, they submitted themselves to God, but then they met resistance. And the work that they had been doing before became even harder. The thing that was unbearable became even worse. Why does this happen? <laughs> We look, in, we look at it in our lives, we, we, we've submitted ourselves to God and we're like, yay God, you gave me a word and I'm going to follow it. And then we start walking into that word and life gets worse. And sometimes it's confusing because we're like, wait God, I thought you said that things were going to get better. I thought that life was going to get better after I submitted myself to you. And we see that, and, 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 it, and it can be confusing, but I want to explain the resistance to you that happens when we walk into our turning point. It's actually twofold. The first resistance that we see in our life is the resistance of people. Because when we decide to conform our life to what Christ says it should look like, it starts rubbing in culture in the wrong ways. We see this all over in our culture today, where, where when people begin to, to try and change for the better, there's a resistance to that. Because we all have friends that look just like us. We all have friends that have common interests. In fact, that's what we're all looking for. We're looking for somebody who's out there who can do life like us, who likes the same football team as we like, who likes to go to the same parks, go hiking on the same mountain, right? We're looking for those people who do the same things that we do because they're just like me. And when I can do life in community with these people, then great, you know, we can all have a good time. But then God calls you to change something. And when you begin to change, you see this process of codependency that, that happens in the world around us. 
where people don't want you to change. It's the whole crab in a bucket syndrome, right? All the crabs are down in the bottom of the bucket and one tries to get out and the rest of them grab them by the foot and say, get back down here, we're having fun. Or maybe life sucks, but we want you with us, right? <laughs> so, so in this moment, we find that there's resistance to the change that we want to walk out. In the process of life, when God says, hey, I've got something better for you, we try and step into it, and then all of a sudden it gets harder because our friends go, wait a second, why do you have to change? Do you mean we're not doing life the right way? Well, now your change is shining light on their brokenness. And because of it, we see resistance from people. And it's hard. It's painful. Because sometimes God calls us away from a relationship. And that's never fun. But it's the pain that's worth it. And we can see the reverse of this too. Sometimes there's those people in your life. Maybe they're, maybe they're parents or maybe they're just people in your life who've given you advice. Right? They're, they're your advisors. And they, they derive their meaning and they derive their sense of purpose out of helping others. And these people do not have bad intentions, but what happens when you begin to change and you begin to say, you know what, God has called me to something different, those people get confused. And the very person that they were trying to help, they now are resisting because they're saying, wait, 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 if you get fixed, where's my purpose? Where's my sense of purpose? And so we find resistance in the people around us and it can be hard, it can be painful, but it's worth it. As we start talking about this process, as we continue on in the life of Moses, we'll see that miracles show up. Just like that song we sang earlier, the miracles that God has promised begin to show up when we walk through the process. But the second reason that we find resistance in our life is because there's a very real spiritual battle that happens. In 1 Peter 5, 8, the Bible clearly states to be aware, be on your guard for your enemy, the devil. Are we there? Yes, we're there. We have an enemy. And to deny the fact that resistance will come from the enemy is to deny the fact that God is wanting to do something powerful in your life. Because the enemy doesn't go to battle where there are no spoils. He's looking to derail. He's looking to destroy the life of people. And when you start to change, what happens? You start bringing people along for the ride. You start bringing people along in the process. And because of that, the enemy marks you and says, yep, I got, I got to take that person out before they can get there. And this is exactly what we see in the life of the children of Israel. The enemy starts resisting what God has called them to. But I, I want to give you hope in this. We're talking about resistance. We're talking about pain. We're talking about the things that are hard. But guess what Jesus said? Be strong. Be courageous. Take courage. You're, you're going to face trouble, but behold, I have overcome all of the trouble. I've already gone through it, and I can help you do the same thing. Just hang in there. I've got you. Jesus says that I've got you, and he means it. 
It's not just words. It's not empty words. We fight from a place of victory. See, when Moses was with the children of Israel, he didn't leave when things got hard. He stayed in the process. And because he stayed in the process, what happened? Miracles began to happen. And he might have started with a small miracle in the sight of the elders, but God said, nope, I want to do better things. I want to do bigger things. And in order to do bigger things, I got to show myself more powerful. This morning, I'd, I'd like us all to stand to our feet. We're going to take a moment to pray and we're going to reflect on what God is wanting to do in our life. Because we're all finding ourselves at a turning point. We're all finding ourselves in this process where we've gone from pre-aware to awareness that God has something better and now God wants us to step into our turning point. So if you would, I would like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father God, I thank you that you have opportunity for every single person in this room. God, no matter how hard the pain of their past, no matter how hard the pain of their present, Father, you have a future in mind. God, it's a good future. You want to walk with us in the process, but we must first say yes to the process. God, we thank you for being faithful in our life. In this place, if you're, if, if you're sensing that God is wanting to do something more on the inside of you, man, this could be somebody walking in here for the first time and you just didn't know there was a relationship with God that was even possible. I just want to pray with you for a moment. Before we, go, before we go into worship, I want to take just a moment for all of us to reflect and ask, God, is there more that you would like to do in my life? Is there more freedom that you have for me? And if that's you, if God is saying something, if God is doing something on the inside, I just want you to put your hand up in the air. Nobody's looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed. Yeah, I see those hands. Yeah, yeah, I see those. I know that God wants to do more. Father, thank you. God, that you are an ever-present help in time of need. God, when life is hard and when the process causes pain in our life, God, we thank you that you're there with us. God, that you never leave us and you never forsake us. God, you are the way maker in our life. You make a way where there seems to be no way. God, we thank you for in Jesus' name, amen.